following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. This word possessed authority. And this teaching possessing authority, why would they be so uh, astonished at this? Why would they be uh, astonished at a man stepping forward and preaching with authority? Well, if we look at Mark, the uh, parallel passage of Mark one twenty two, the phrase, and not as the scribes, is added to that as a word of ex- ex- explanation as to why they would be so astonished by this authority. Because when Jesus came, he brought something different, a style that they weren't uh, familiar with he also brought new teaching mark also talks about new teaching he brings to them something that they're not familiar with because scribes a lot of times when they taught they taught teaching from the scriptures and quoting other scribes talking about what they thought about what the passage meant and in the technical um, meaning and discussion of this a lot of their teaching lost some of that authority, lost some of that, thus saith the Lord. And in the Old Testament, we see prophets step forward, don't we? And they speak with authority. And they say, thus saith the Lord. But when Jesus came, he didn't have to say, thus saith the Lord, did he? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, I say to you. Truly, truly, to, to, as, a, as an expression of emphasis, but also an expression of authority. Showing that he was the one that could speak to what was true and what was not true. Because he was the truth. He was the life. When Jesus came, he came speaking with authority and it was something that left them astonished. They were shocked by this. They were touched by this. They were moved by this. In verse 33 through 35 it says, And in the synagogue, there was a man who had a a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out right in the middle of the teaching. Can you imagine that? The disruption that that would be. The Bible has not a lot of teaching as to what uh, demon possession really is. But we learn a lot from the stories that are in the Bible about what demon possession entails. We we see the demoniac in Gennesaret. Right? The way he acted and what he experienced. We see this story. Jesus teaches on it in Luke 11 when he says, when, when a demon is cast out of a man, he goes into the wilderness, into the dry places, and he says, I'll return to the home. And if there isn't something filling that, he brings with him seven other spirits that are more unclean than him. So we have these passages that te- teach about this, and it seems as if when a demon is on within somebody, that, that word possession brings with it an idea of bondage. Comes with it with an idea of, of being controlled. Of being under something that, that is oppressive. And here we see this demon cries out and he, and he asks a question. What have you to do with us? could be an accusation, a taunt perhaps. We don't know the tone of voice. But really what we see here in, in, in this person's behavior is fear. This, this unclean spirit knows who's standing before him and knows his authority. And he's terrified. He cries out in terror. Saying, what do you have to do with us? 
Have you come to destroy us? He knows that Jesus has the power to destroy him in a word. And he states, I know who you are. You're the son of God. Or the Holy One of God. In other places, demons cry out, you are the Son of God. Mark chapter 11, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 11, it says, And whenever an unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And this seems kind of antithetical if you think about it, because wouldn't you expect an unclean spirit to try to obfuscate or, or hide or twist the, the, the identity of Jesus? Wouldn't somebody possessed with, a, with an unclean spirit try to uh, get people away from Jesus, from, from believing in his identity? Wouldn't an unclean spirit try to twist the truth and lie about who Jesus is, trying to say he was a fraud? Get away from him. Don't believe in him. But this, this unclean spirit cries out something that's actually true. He speaks the truth. We see that sometimes when the enemy wants to speak the truth to gain a following so that it can then raise trust and get control of the message. More on that later. But we see how this this demon speaks the truth. But Jesus, in verse 35 through 37, begins by rebuking him and saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. And it says in verse 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits that they come out. And the report of him went out to every place surrounding the region. Jesus rebukes this demon and does not allow the demon to speak into his identity, even though it's the truth. He does not allow his ministry to become associated with a positive statement from an unclean spirit. And the unclean spirit has to go. At the word of Jesus, the man is instantly released from that bondage, that bondage that he may have been in for years. The demon throws the man down in the midst and he comes out. Mark states that the demon cried out in a loud voice and convulsed the man before he came out. And you can see that violent nature. You can see what what the enemy is really about because the enemy wants your heart, doesn't he? He wants to control you. He wants to be in you. He wants to work through you, his evil plan. But he doesn't care about you. He convulses the man and throws him down, discarding him like like an old shirt. This is what the Bible teaches. And I have three points of application. Three points that I want to talk about because as we approach this, it's a really short, short passage, but it says so much, doesn't it? It says so much about who demons are, yes, and who we are, but it shows who Jesus is in many, many ways. It shows his authority. And that's point number one, his his authority, or rather walk in authority, when, because we are part of his body, right? When we're saved and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have a unity with Christ that goes so far that says that we are members of his body. We are disciples of Christ. And if we're disciples of Christ and Christ walked in authority, then how should we be walking? 
right? It's enough that a disciple be like his master. And if, his ma- and if our master walks in authority, then how are we to walk? But we don't walk in our own authority, right? We don't walk, we don't, we don't just speak, truly, truly, I say to you. But when we are standing on the word of God, filled with the spirit of God, we walk in the confidence and authority of Jesus Christ and his name. We teach in authority, right? First Peter uh, chapter four, 4, verse 11 says, Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. The oracle in their culture was somebody who channeled uh, a false deity, right? The oracle at Delphi channeled the spirit of Apollo, this false pagan deity of the Roman or Greek pantheon. When we speak the, when we speak the word of God, we're speaking with authority God's holy and infallible word. The mysteries that have been held from the ages that are now in the Bible, we speak those things. And we're all teachers, aren't we? We may not exercise the gift of teaching within the church, but it says that the older men are to teach the younger men. It says the, old, the older women are to teach the younger women. And all of us who are parents, we teach our kids. And, and when we go out into the world and we live our lives, we're teaching them by the way that we live and the way that we walk and the way that we talk and, and carry on our dealings with one another. When we walk in love to, to each other, Jesus said, by this you, they will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. We're all teaching. And this gives us incredible authority. It gives us incredible encouragement to walk with confidence and authority because we know that his word does not return void. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. There's authority in that. And when we speak... And the Holy Spirit is on you. Probably every single believer in this room can testify of a time in their life when the Holy Spirit was on them and they spoke with such authority. The authority that's in Jesus' name. Even a shy and timid person can stand forward with boldness and testify of the goodness that God has done in their life before leaders, before rulers, before the world. And this doesn't mean though we have authority in his name, that everything's going to go okay, right? Because when we step forward with that word of God, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. You step forward in that completeness. And number two, The enemy will oppose you. That's point number two. The enemy is not going to stand by idly while you walk in in the authority of Jesus' name. He didn't even stand by idly when Jesus was walking in authority. And as you move forward in ministry or move forward as a witness within the world, you will sense and observe the opposition of the enemy. 
Like Mark chapter 3, verse 11 that I, that I referenced before, it gives the impression that this was kind of a, reg, a regular thing. It said, whenever an unclean spirit, whenever uh, an unclean spirit saw him, whenever, it's just going from town to town and these, these things were manifesting and coming out. Satan opposed Christ in the wilderness for 40 days. He opposed Christ at the cross when he put it into the heart of Judas to betray him. He opposed uh, Christ at many points in his ministry. He opposed his followers, his disciples, and he will, imp- he will, he will oppose you and I. What will this opposition look like? Will he turn others against you? Will he make sure that there are misunderstandings? Will he cause division and start a rebellion against you? He may do all of those things and more, but Christ is with us. It doesn't stop the word of God from going forward, does it? It didn't stop it here. It only became a further testimony. It only became another opportunity. The goal, see, the enemy can't stop the teaching. He can't stop what we're doing here today because God has given us uh, uh, this freedom. He's, He's protected us. He can't stop the underground churches in China or Afghanistan or, or any of those places. But what he can do is try to distract, right? This was a distraction. Somebody crying out in the middle of Jesus trying to speak. He can try to, he can try to take control of the message with false teachers infiltrating the church. A demon-possessed man dressing up in suit and tie, preaching from a pulpit, This happens all across America, doesn't it? The enemy can't stop the truth, but he will try to spread the truth himself sometimes to get control of the message, gain a following, and then start twisting things little by little. But 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than than he who is in the world. If you're saved today, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to you. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is more powerful than all of the deception of the enemy. It's more powerful than twisting truth. More powerful than a demon-possessed man coming forward to disrupt to try to gain a following, to try to twist the truth. But we have to know the word of God for that, don't we? We have to know the word of God. If we're going to be able to understand with discernment the the teaching of a false teacher and how they're twisting, we have to know the word of God. Finally, point number three, the kingdom of darkness will fall. Kingdom of darkness will fall. Because if you look at this, what does this mean? That Jesus came in, it's not just that Jesus came into a synagogue and cast out a demon. It has implications that are far reaching, doesn't it? Because if he can cast that one out, maybe he can cast this one out. And if he can cast this one out, right? If he can cast out the thousands of demons that were in the, de- the demoniac in Gennesaret, And he said, we are legion, right? There were thousands in there. If he can do that, what can he do? Who can can he not cast out? 
Right? Demon possession is powerful. Sometimes we we want to down talk the devil. Oh, God, God's got him on a short leaf, leash, and that's all true, right? But don't don't get it twisted. It's powerful. It's very powerful. It's powerful, more powerful than a human, and that glorifies God because a powerful enemy needs a powerful savior. A weak enemy doesn't need a powerful savior. So the more powerful the oppression, the more glorious it is for a powerful deliverance. The demon possession on a person breaks them down. It possesses them with bondage. And it's a it's kind of a a picture of sin in general though, isn't it? Because I want to ask us all today this question. Is there something that's in your life that's kind of got you? It's kind of it's kind of got you by the throat. It's an oppression. Some secret that you have, something that's always eaten at you, that, that you can't seem to get deliverance from. You can't keep that secret forever. That's not going to stay secret. Jesus exposes evil here in this. Like it, maybe this man was coming to synagogue every, every, every Sabbath, right? He's coming and he's possessed, but he's there. But when the word of God incarnate shows up, starts speaking truth, that thing cannot stay hidden. It's exposed. It's flushed out. Everything exposed. Everything is exposed before the one with whom we have to do. Everything will be exposed on the last day. Everything can be exposed much sooner than that in the light of God's word. And that's what we want, right? We don't want sin staying secret until the last day when we all find out. We want them exposed and dealt with today. In in the presence of Christ, evil is exposed in the church and in your life. Do you need your sins exposed? That's one one of the reasons why the preaching of the word of God is so important, right? Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing to the piercing to the division of joint and marrow, of soul and, soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When the word of God is preached, it'll expose things that you don't even know about sometimes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 24 through 25, it says, if all prophesy, it's the word of God, right? And an unbeliever or an outsider enters He is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Another way sin can be exposed. James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, Marty was talking about confession. You know, as you come to the Lord's table, that's an opportunity for confession. Small group can be an, an amazing opportunity for confession, confessing to, to a leader in the church as well, like coming to a pastor and confessing something that you've been struggling with for, for, for the sake of receiving prayer. There's healing in that. If you're saved this morning, the kingdom of darkness 
is coming to an end in your heart. There's still, there still may be some footholds and strongholds that, that the devil may have, may have in, your, in, 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 our, in our imperfect understanding of the word of God. We still have deceptions, right? But Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you shall complete it. Shall bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So what else does this passage mean? The worship team can start coming up. This passage demonstrates with such clarity the authority of Jesus Christ. His absolute sovereignty and authority over all things. The power, the presence of evil has nothing against the authority of Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus Christ cast out evil that had become resident in this poor man in the synagogue, Jesus can cast out the evil that is in your heart. Will you turn to him today? Turn to him. If you don't know him, turn to him. He's also casting out the evil in the entire world. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, And the seventh angel blew, and there were loud voices in heaven. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This act of casting out a single demon was the start of something huge. It was already there. It's just starting to be revealed. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Verse 31, and those who deal in this world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. All this stuff that we worry about, it's passing away. It's being cast out, all the evil. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first earth had, have, for the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and he will be his people. And God himself will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. So not only is Jesus going to cast out this one demon... He's going to cast out tears from every eye. He's going to cast out death and it'll be no more. He'll cast out mourning and crying and pain and all of the former things. He's going to cast out with the word of his power. And if that is true, then how should we be walking in joy and in confidence? If all these things are true, what kind of disciples should we be? Walking in peace and in love. The confidence that comes from understanding the authority of Jesus Christ as the incarnate word of God. The faith that that brings us in the face of all the wickedness. And if you look at the news, you can just see the kingdom of darkness just building up as as if it's just building up overnight. 
Every day it seems to get taller, but that's nothing compared to the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because when he returns, it will be cast out, it will be brought to nothing, and it will be destroyed, and his kingdom will rise. And if you don't know him this morning, I invite you to give your life to Christ. Turn from your old ways. If you need deliverance, come to him and let the word of his power transform you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.